welcome to LSH Talks, a podcast hosting important conversations within the Commercial Property Network. This week has been Mental Health Awareness Week. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with James Tetnor. He's a help desk support analyst here at LSH. He spends his free time educating those on LinkedIn about men's mental health. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and you appreciate the honesty and bravery that James showed throughout the episode. This episode is particularly sensitive and does contain some distressing topics. If you think that you could be triggered by this episode or you want to view more information, please look at the description of this podcast where there'll be links to relevant resources such as Mind UK and The Samaritans. My name's James Tetlaw and I work in IT um, on the service desk. So obviously this podcast is talking about mental health and talking about raising awareness for Mental Health Awareness Week. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your personal journey with mental health and why you started writing posts on LinkedIn to kind of raise more awareness for men's mental health? My journey with mental health has been very varied and has actually been quite poor. So from a very early age, I went through quite a traumatic situation, which today doesn't sound very traumatic and isn't. but This was back in the mid 80s and my parents were divorced and there was only one other person in my secondary school that I knew of that had parents that were divorced. That was a very, very difficult time for me at the age of sort of 10, 11. And I I just didn't cope with it. I was uh, being bullied as well at school, not only by the other kids, but also by teachers as well. Back in uh, the 80s, you just didn't talk about this kind of stuff. It, It was what it was. And you had to put your big boy pants on almost and just get on with it. One day after a lesson my best mate he he collared me as we were leaving the lesson um and he he kind of said are you okay yeah yeah i'm fine and he was like no there's 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 something else he said i and i know that you're not happy and everything that's gone on he said but there's something else what's going on and we sat down and uh, i told him that i was thinking about ending my life now this is at the age of 11 um, I, I was a complete and utter mess. We, we kind of had a chat and he, he didn't really know how to deal with it. And I, I, I was never going to tell my parents or um, anybody else. So I, I kind of kept that all bottled up for many, many years into my sort of early teenage years. Luckily, um, I, I, I never figured out a way to end my life, sort of fought my way through it moved out of that school and uh, moved into a completely new area, made new friends, and that settled me. And then through my 20s and 30s, everything was, you know, fine. Yeah, I'd get, um, you know, low at times. Everybody does. Then in my last job that I had, I was there for 10 years. And in the last sort of three years of that job, I found myself in a situation where I I wasn't enjoying the job, but I couldn't move on to other areas of the business. I got to the stage where I didn't want to go into work. I was getting up late, getting into work, literally with minutes to spare. And it it had a massive effect on my life. I was made redundant, which kind of came as a bit of a shock. I, I remember feeling relief because all of a sudden there was a way out. All of a sudden, looking for a job became my full-time job. So I'd get up in the morning, I'd uh, get my uh, son ready, get him off to school, you know, get get everything sorted, and then I'd start job hunting, sort of nine o'clock-ish, and I would work all the way through till I went and picked my son up from school at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so it, it became a full-time job. And 
I was finding that I was getting lots of rejections, lots of non-replies, and I'm in the house on my own and feeling very lonely, feeling very lost. Again, going back to those feelings that I had when I was 11 years old, that I was almost unemployable. My, my heart literally sank through the floor. Um, it was the worst feeling in the world because I suddenly realized that it's not just me now that I'm going to let my wife down, I'm going to let my son down, we're going to lose the house. That was never going to happen. When you're in it, those are the thoughts that are going through your head and you're stuck with those thoughts and you're stuck in your own head and it's not a particularly nice place to be. You can't get out of that, you know, because nobody's going to employ me. So I've got no money coming in. If I've got no money coming in, I can't afford to put food on the table and keep a roof over our head. And that was the pressure that I felt. And I got up from the table and I walked down the uh, hallway and I just looked at the front door and I thought something needs to happen today. Otherwise, I'm walking out that front door and I ain't coming back. I got no plans for taking my own life, but I just knew that I wasn't going to come back. So it was almost like I was going to run away from the whole situation. I'm a Christian as well. I remember sitting on the bottom step of our stairs in the hallway, looking at the door. I, I, I just started crying. I felt like I had got no one to turn to. I just remember closing my eyes and praying. And I, I said, Lord, just give me something. I'm, I'm at the end. I've got, I can't go any lower. And I don't know if I go through that door, what I'm going to do. The funniest thing happened, and it, it for people who are listening, they, they might they might be a bit sceptical, but I got one word. Well, actually, it was a couple of words. And it all it was was keep clicking. And I sat there and I thought, is this some kind of joke? And I suddenly realized that actually I was limiting myself by my own self-belief. You know, those jobs that I was looking at that I was instantly dismissing that were, you know, managerial jobs, you know, much higher jobs than I could ever possibly do. I was going, yeah, no, that, that's not for me. In that moment, I had a complete mindset change. I thought, well, why not open those doors? If I don't knock, I never know. So I went back and I started um, applying for literally every single job I found, CEOs all the way down to, you know, very junior positions i was applying for absolutely everything luckily this job for lsh came up and i got an interview and I, I got an offer within a few days sense of relief and elation was just phenomenal it was because all of a sudden i'd stopped thinking about what i couldn't do because actually applying for a job is just applying for a job it doesn't matter whether I can't do it. That's for somebody else to decide. More recently, in the last few months, my my dad died um, in February, back into February. And obviously, he's not been part of my life for um, over 30 years, but he moved back into the area. Again, I, I was a complete and utter mess. So it wasn't kind of, you know, he was the greatest dad in the world and, you know, he's a real role model for me and I was going to miss him like crazy. But looking back on it, I think it was not regret so much on my behalf, but almost realization of what I've missed out on over the last uh, 30 odd years. My wife, she was very good and, you know, she sat down and uh, we talked and uh, she's been, you know, huge amounts of support for me. And along with that, my manager here and uh, Richard have been absolutely awesome over the last uh, few weeks and months. So 
That's a really strong and like amazing story. So thank you so much for opening up and sharing it with everyone listening and with me as well. I really appreciate the honesty. I think everyone listening will also really appreciate the honesty, which I think is what is so important about discussing these topics is that people are open because otherwise the conversation doesn't continue in a way that it should. I've linked in the description of the podcast some of the articles that you've written on your blog and also on LinkedIn and the video that you put up on LinkedIn, which talk about the topics you've just discussed but how come you decided to put those on LinkedIn rather than another platform? During the pandemic I realised that Facebook was going to be really important to me because that was a connection back to friends and family it it was going to be a great platform I could keep those connections open with however it turned out that it, it was actually causing me a lot of stress a lot of anxiety people on there that were posting some really bad stuff especially at the very beginning you know everybody was in that kind of oh you know are we all going to die is this the end of humanity my head was just like i can't cope with this so i had to come off facebook so i i ditched facebook i ditched twitter and i ditched instagram purely for my own mental health and my own sanity that was the best thing that i think i've ever done but then i wanted to also get this message out about or start getting a message out about mental health and I kind of thought, well, where do I go? Because <laughs> I've come off the mainstream platforms and I don't want to go back on there. So I turned to LinkedIn because that seemed to be potentially a better audience and potentially an audience that were going to be struggling with more mental health issues than anywhere else. So, yeah, I turned to LinkedIn, as you say, recorded a video and posted a couple of things that were on my mind at the time and as, as they came up. Yeah, I think it's really important because I think LinkedIn is a very like business-based audience and it's a very professional workspace. But over the course of Mental Health Awareness Week, I've personally seen like a lot more really in-depth and quite upsetting stories that people have opened up and shared on the platform, which I think is really important because the whole point of this week is that everyone suffers with mental health and it should be a talked about an open topic even on platforms such as LinkedIn it shouldn't just be kept to friends but you should be able to open up to your colleagues and discuss if there's something going on and I think having a space like LinkedIn where people feel comfortable um, is just really important how would you say that the best way to approach a loved one would be if they're potentially going through something that's really hard it's always difficult because you, you see loved ones suffering um and you, you you'll go to them and you'll do the normal are you okay is everything okay and they'll go yes it, it, everything's fine and you know deep down that they're not and for me it's just being there for them uh, not being in their face and not putting any pressure on them and it, it's it's a real fine balance and it's trying to get them to open up we need to drop the cliches as well um and th- th- this doesn't go just for loved ones it- it's anybody uh, with you know that you believe having mental health issues there-, there are things that we need to say to them and there are things that we should absolutely not say to them and things like tomorrow's a better day or you know um keep fighting you, you know you- you're strong enough to get through this because that person in that moment doesn't feel strong enough to even potentially get out of bed so you telling them that they're strong enough to get through whatever it is they're going through just isn't going to help them. You need to offer your help. And if you don't feel that you can offer help, 
then just be there and sit with them and sometimes actually just sitting with a person so whether it's a family member or a friend or a colleague at work just sitting there in silence can sometimes be all that person needs because they know that there is somebody there that they can reach out to literally hang on to because at that moment in time they feel that they're drowning and if you can be that lifeline to them then you've done as much as you can in that moment and then it's time to you know sort of get them into the help that they need signposting to a mental health organization or their gp or you know whatever needs to happen i've linked in the podcast as well any different organizations that people can turn to if they if they need help or they want to look into things in more detail so feel free to check the description of the podcast as well have there been any particular coping mechanisms so i know it's often talked about and particularly this week is themed around nature but anything that has really helped you when you felt really low um I know for me, if I feel really overwhelmed and quite stressed, I live by the sea. So going on like a long walk and just trying to clear my head really helps. But I don't know if there's been anything in particular that has really helped you over the last few years. For me, particularly, like a lot of men, and this this is why I'm so keen on men's mental health in particular, is that we're not very good at opening up, scared almost to open up. And it, it's a social reaction. But for me particularly i i tend to go back and look at photographs or listen to music maybe even just go and stand outside in the back garden and just to clear my mind and you know just relax and realize that actually what i'm going through in that moment in time whilst it's difficult isn't going to last forever i then start looking at the things around me that i have in my life that are important and and that's People like my wife, my son, my sister, my nephews, the rest of my family, and realize what I actually have got. There have been times where you can't even get to that point of thinking like that. When I lost my job, sort of just over three years ago, there was no way, you know, looking at photos or listening to music was going to bring me out of that. As I say, as a Christian, you know, I turned to prayer and I turned to what I knew because I, I'd got nothing else at that moment in time. Um, so that, that kind of helped me. For a lot of people, you know, that, that's not their thing and that's absolutely fine. But meditation also can help. You know, the, the, there are lots and lots of coping mechanisms out there for people. We've just got to start embracing them. But the biggest one is that we've got to start talking. We, we've got to start, we've got to reach out to people that we can trust and say, I'm struggling. You know, I, I'm, I'm not coping. And whoever you say that to, you know, has got to, you know, if, if, they, if they don't feel like they can help at that moment, they've got to find the help that that person needs. Mental health is such a complicated and diverse condition. It, it, it's, it's not something that can be fixed overnight. Uh, there is a journey to go on. But that journey makes up part of your story and you know you will get through it it just takes time and the right support yeah i can completely agree i think just the whole importance of opening up and being honest and having those conversations even if they're hard and just um knowing there's people to turn to no matter what situation you're in like there is someone who wants to listen and wants to help so just make sure that you're trying to reach out in any capacity and 
if you're listening to this and know someone who is struggling just just be there for them I think that's the best thing that anyone can do is just be the ear that and just listen there are there are lots of statistics out there one of the biggest things for me is that the as we spoke the other day the uh, suicide rates certainly in in men 2019 figures were that there were 5,691 suicides in England and Wales 4,303 of those were men that saddens me and you know it, it, it literally breaks my heart that you know there, there are families out there that are left without husbands brothers nephews friends and we need to keep this conversation going and the, the only other thing that i can say is you know if, if you if you believe that somebody is suffering with mental health issues don't force them into a conversation because they, the chances are they're not going to open up but ask them twice so if you say to them oh how are you doing today and they go yeah i'm okay stop for a minute and go back to them and say no how are you really doing and then stop and listen to what they have to say. There's a big difference between listening to somebody and hearing somebody. And we have to get into the mode of actually hearing what somebody has to say. You almost have to read between the lines of what they're telling you to get to realize that there is a problem that is more serious and deeper and allow them the space to move. Don't say, oh, you know, don't talk about yourself because it's not about you, it's about them. So, and, and as I say, if, if you if you have to sit there in silence for two or three minutes, as difficult as that is for the pair of you, that might be enough for that person to go, actually, no, you're right. This is what I'm going through. And that's all, you know, that, that could be the difference between life and death for somebody. This isn't about me. It, it's about saving people and particularly men. Thank you so much for being so open and honest on the podcast. Um, I hope everyone listening has really taken something away from this. And as I said, if there's anything that has affected you, please make sure that you check the description of the podcast because there'll be lots of information to kind of go through and the links to all of the articles as well will be in the description of the podcast too.